This podcast is brought to you by StoryKingBooks.com. Sign up to receive a free copy of my latest ebook novella, Kane's Confession. If you would like to learn how to support this show, visit www.patreon.com forward slash the Story King. And now for today's episode. Welcome to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today we're having a conversation with the founder of YouTube channel Master Talk, Brendan Kumarasamy. As I mentioned in the opening, Brendan is the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs communicate their ideas to the world. So I hope you enjoy this episode where Brendan teaches us how to tell better stories, both personally and in public presentations. Welcome to the Story King podcast. Thanks, man. Great to be here. Awesome. So let's get right into it. I, you know, I, I'm really interested in your story. Why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, how you became such an eloquent speaker, and what even led you to start Master Talk? Yeah, for sure. Happy to talk about that. So the story begins in university. I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing football or you know, rugby or basketball, things I weren't really, I wasn't really into. What I did instead is I applied that same competitive spirit, but to presentations. Hmm. So for years, I presented hundreds of times, coached dozens of people on communication and public speaking. By the time I got a job in corporate Canada, in my case, kind of just asked myself a simple question, how to make a difference in the world? That's when the idea for Master Talk came to be because I realized a lot of the communication information on YouTube is pretty jank. It's not really good. You, know, you hear advice like, oh, you should like be yourself. So anyway, I started making videos in my mother's basement. One thing led to another and the rest was history. So were you just interested in communication like since you were a kid, like when since you were very young? Uh, definitely not. Just to give you a small backstory, you probably know this because you're from New York, but for those who aren't nearby in that area, uh, Montreal is one of the few cities in the world where most people in that city speak multiple languages, namely French. And French is a required one if you want to, if you want to thrive in this city. And I didn't know French. So when I was five years old, my parents looked at me and they said, you got to learn the language, buddy. So they threw right. me into a French education system. So my whole life, I, I had to present in a language I didn't even know. And that's so I never really had an affinity to public speaking. It's not something I generally liked, actually, frankly, didn't like it at all. But it's only when I went to university that I found a love for it. Because mm. I started doing these competitions, which is essentially business gives you a problem, you solve the problem, you present your solution to a board of executives who are actually from the company. And that's and that people do this for fun. It's it's like a sport, right? Like any other. And I and I fell in love with presentations that way. Awesome. Now, watching videos on your channel, you have one about effective storytelling. Now, generally, the show focuses on writing stories, but I think we all need to be able to vocally articulate a story before we could ever write it down. So I want to talk to you about telling an, an effective story, like in a public presentation or even in a personal conversation. I know a lot of people who can't tell a good story to save their life. 
You know, they include a lot of erroneous information. They have trouble getting to the point. Take us through the steps of telling a good story. Right. And you pretty much nail, nailed it, right? In the sense that storytelling is really difficult. A lot of people don't give enough credit to that because stories are very vague. What does storytelling even mean? Does it mean watching Disney movies with your family all day and taking notes? Does it mean reading a book to your children, even if you don't have kids? Like, how does, like, what does any of this mean? So just building on this, for me, the general framework I like to use, because I don't think there's any right or wrong answer here, is the following. Storytelling is convincing your audience that you understand them almost as much as they do. Hmm. So let's say we think about those Disney movies. The reason why we relate to them so much is not because of the cartoonish characters in the films, because obviously we can't relate to those characters, but the stories, the events that happen to those characters, we relate to them because they happened in our lives too. Whether it was vulnerability, imposter syndrome, courage, determination, not giving up, it's those stories that relate to ourselves. Similarly, the reason why personal stories work so well in a public speaking context is not necessarily because of that, that person had an alcoholic father, but rather saying, because we did as well, we relate to our own personal story through them, hmm. right? So we are the vessel to all of the people who see their stories through us. So that's kind of a general way of thinking about it. So would you say that's the basic idea of what we're trying to achieve? Then when we're telling a story, we're trying to connect with other people. Exactly. Like for me, there's a lot of things we could talk emotion, you know, vibration, how do you how do you use energy as a way to tell stories? But all of that's kind of vague in its in its concept. I would say the big overarching thing is if you communicate in a way where the your a core audience, the person you want to serve goes, I totally understand where you're trying to get here. I absolutely understand the idea that you're trying to bring across with the story, then you've nailed storytelling in my opinion. That's kind of like the the sense check that helps you realize that. All right, that makes sense. Let's talk about some general public speaking techniques in general here. So that can obviously make or break a story when you tell it. So one thing I became sharply aware of when I started my podcast was all my annoying idiosyncrasies when I speak. You know, I say right too much. When you know, Some people say a lot of ums or you know. Uh, I spent so much time editing all that stuff out. So how in the world do we get rid of these bad speech habits? Right. I'm no exception to the rule, right, Giancarlo? Like sometimes I make them too. And and it can be stressful and more of a headache than anything else. And there's actually a secret in how you do this. Mm. The key is to replace your filler words with nothing. <laughs> so let's start by talking about why we give we say filler words in the first place. The reason is is really just to buy time. So let's say you're asking me a question. I'm not sure of the answer. I go, uh, uh, oh, right, Giancarlo, this is actually what I think. So I'm using filler words to buy time. What the best speakers in the world do is that they say nothing. <laughs> whenever somebody has a question, whenever they're not sure of what they want to say in response to that question, they just say nothing. And this is very uncomfortable for most people to do because when you're pausing, it feels very anxious, right? You feel very, you're like, oh man, I wonder what they think of me. Do they think I don't know what I'm talking about? Which isn't true. So how do you fix this? I call it long stares. So essentially what you do is go up to a family member, somebody that you love in your house, and just stare at them for five <laughs> minutes and say nothing. Most human beings can't make it to five minutes. But if you can, then you'll be amazing. Because remember, 
the secret that the best speakers don't tell you is that we can pause forever. Very interesting. And I think you're absolutely right. I've noticed that about certain people when, when I hear them in an interview, I'm like, wow, this person didn't say um once. And I'm like always amazed by it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but I think you're right that they're just comfortable with the silence and you, you nailed it with the word anxious. I think it's like, oh, we're so anxious. We have to have the answer come out faster. That makes total sense. Okay, so what about inflection and communicating emotion when we speak? Obviously, you know, there's a way of speaking so that it's monotone and there's people like you have very good inflection when you speak. So how do we work on that? Right. My honest recommendation is I would never start with inflection. The reason is, as you alluded to, it's a very complex subject. Hmm. So, so the way I think about this, Giancarlo, is there's a couple of steps that we want to take before that. The first one is we want to start by working on our foundational skills as a speaker. Foundation means filler words. It means getting the right posture. It means looking at your audience in the eyes. It means doing all of the basics first and then upgrading to harder topics in public speaking, whether that's storytelling, whether that's changing the way that you speak and the inflection points that you use mm -hmm. when you change vocal varieties. And obviously, impromptu speeches. How do you give a speech with zero prep? Those are the types of things you want to focus on later. But I, I'm happy to give you a taste of what that sounds like. So inflection points is simple. What the best speakers in the world do is they make decisions based on what the, they want their audience to feel and change their voice to reflect those emotions. So if I'm talking about a car accident, it feels very inauthentic if I'm very, very happy about it. You're looking at me and saying, wow, like this person is clearly lying or is belongs in a mental hospital, one or the other. But the opposite is, is also true. You know, when I was seven years old, my dad was in a car accident and it changed my life. He wasn't in a car accident, but the point I'm driving is when I use local, low vocal variety, it, it's, it feels more authentic from an audience's perspective because we're aligning the emotions that we want, we're expecting to feel with what the audience and the speaker is conveying. Once again, super advanced. I wouldn't start the conversation there. Gotcha. And what about body language? Where does that come into play? I, I would imagine what you communicate with your body says as much as your actual words. Is that fair to say? Yeah, here's the way I think about it. I have a very counterintuitive point that most people in my industry, which is the following. Hmm. I've never said a bad, a bad speaker is a bad speaker because of body language. It's just never happened. Most people know how to do it right. Most mm -hmm. people don't know how to do it like amazingly well, but it's not the thing that will, that will deduct points or get you the most bang for your buck. I, I think body language is that refinement, that technique should, is really for top speakers because it's like a 5% difference. Mm. I think most people think about the foundation, think about telling one great story over and over and over again because that's the key, right? You tell the same story from different angles as Nike and Apple, a lot of the big brands do. And even personal brands like Tony Robbins has been doing the same seminar for 40 years. <laughs> 40 years, the same thing. He, right. he doesn't come up one day and goes, you know, actually this weekend, let's talk about porcupines instead. What do you guys think? No, never. Yeah. He doesn't change up his tune for a reason because that's what allows him to tell the, the most powerful stories he can. That makes sense. And what about vocabulary? Is that even 
important to have a large vocabulary at your disposal? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not necessary to know like glossophobia for those who don't know. It's like the medical term for the fear of public speaking. So that's useless, right? In my opinion, you don't need that. But it's still good overall to have some sort of vocabulary. So I'll give you an example of what I do. I'm more a fan of practicing pronunciation of vocabulary because I think that's where the core issue is. So pronunciation, what I do, which is very bizarre, but it helps, is I karaoke in languages I don't know. <laughs> so one fun fact about me is I speak, so I'm trilingual, I speak three languages, but I can karaoke in eight, <laughs> right? Which is bizarre. But, but the reason why that's so effective is let's say I switch to Japanese and I go, ohayou gozaimasu, genki desu ka, right? Because in your case, since you're Italian, buongiorno, come stai, molto bene, Eli. So notice how my pronunciation is like almost perfect. But I don't speak either languages at all. Mm. So the reason is because I'm very well practiced. And, and the reason why that's so effective, because I'm sure a lot of you are laughing right now, <laughs> is what's the alternative? Wake up every morning and do this. I like apples. I like oranges. You're going to get bored after three days. You're just not going to practice anymore. That's why I'm a big fan of picking songs you just like that you don't understand. Learning how to pronounce the words. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode. I just wanted to take the opportunity to let you know about a brand new resource I recently published. If you're interested in starting your own podcast, I've created an ebook called Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro that walks you through all the little details of producing and launching your own show. So for less than $5, you can own this resource by visiting storykingbooks.com or amazon.com. Those links will be in the show notes. And now back to today's episode. I see a lot of energetic and confident speakers online, but what about people who are perhaps more introverted and feel like displaying a lot of energy just isn't genuine to who they are? It feels like acting. Are there ways for different personality types to practice presenting with more confidence? Is there another way to even think about this? 100%, right? I actually made a whole video on just introverts and why they make such fantastic speakers. Everyone's got their own style. It's just about bringing that style out a bit more. So I'll give you a couple examples. Introverts are much better listeners than extroverted speakers are. As you can tell, I make a good guest on podcasts. I'm always yapping in my mouth, right? Whereas an introvert, well, they don't have that issue. They spend more time listening on average. Mm-hmm. So they're able to tailor their audience, tailor their message to what other people want to hear. That's one. Number two, they're less polarizing as speakers. Think of a Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, he's the kind of person that you either really, really like or really, really don't. I'm in the category of I'm a huge fan of him, but there's a huge group of people who goes, I hate this guy, mm. right? So there's very polarizing. But if you care, compare him in the same industry to, let's say, a Seth Godin, who's just as big, nobody says, I hate Seth Godin. Nobody. <laughs> nobody does that, right? Nobody goes, oh, you know, I hate this guy. Nobody. He's a lot less polarizing, which means you attract a bigger group of people towards you. So there are just a couple of the advantages that introverts have over extroverts. But the point I'm driving here is, are we learning from the other? It's not really about if you're an introvert or an extrovert. If you're an extrovert like me, are you learning from the introvert? And if you're an introvert, are you learning from the extrovert? So just because you're an introvert, it doesn't mean you don't do karaoke. You might do it alone in your room. You might practice it with nobody else watching. You might watch my videos while nobody's watching or listen to this podcast, but you're still practicing. 
Same thing with the extrovert. Just because I'm more comfortable with the karaoke stuff doesn't mean I'm not doesn't mean I'm not practicing how to listen better, how to be less polarizing as a speaker, how to listen to my audience more and tailor my pitch. Hmm. So it's about applying your personal style and being comfortable with who you are, basically, whether you're introvert or extrovert. Of course, a lot, lot of introvert speakers I've coached over the years who are much smarter and better speakers than I'll ever be. Huh. Now, you mentioned Tony Robbins before doing the same presentation for like 40 years. How much does memorization of your material play, you know, in efficacy? You know, does that cut down some of those annoying speech patterns too? You said he does it for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. In my opinion, though, it's not really memorization. I think it's more of like, you know how when you ride a bike, you just know how to ride it? After a while, it's you don't really think about it. It's the same thing with public speaking if you do the same presentation. So what happens in Tony's case, or even in mine on a smaller scale, if, if you're presenting the same thing, if you're being asked the same questions every single time, no one's asking what my favorite fruit is on podcasts, right? Over time, what happens is you just know what the answer is. You just know your content. So you're mostly just focused your time on delivering content that you know you're going to be asked anyways. Okay. And what if something you're saying isn't going well, the vibe of the room is heavy and it's unresponsive. How do we pivot and improvise when what we're doing is clearly not working? How do we improvise on the spot? Right. It's that million dollar question. You know, you know, I'm sure you'd love to hear a hack or you should like say a joke. Everything would be <laughs> amazing. Here's the truth though. You have to take the L. Take the L and reassess. Why is it that my pitch isn't landing. Every great speaker, every great stand-up comedian has always has always played in bad rooms. It happens every single time. But what the best in the world do is that they make sure to understand why it didn't work. So I'll give you the number one reason. So I'll give you kind of the secret sauce here. Brandon, why am I not engaging? Why am I not? Why does my audience like me? What happened? I always ask them the same question. Well, Rick, how many times have you given this presentation? They go, twice they go well if you presented something twice if you wrote a four-wheeler twice you think you could just all of a sudden write it ride a two-wheeler is that how life works no no no. it's you present the same thing 20 times and then after you present it so many times you don't even bother asking yourself the question if it's engaging you already know it is i see so practice makes perfect the old adage (laughs) practice the same topic over and over again I see. So deliberate practice. Yeah. If, you, if you're just practice, because like just to add more layer to this, because I know a lot of people say that it's just general nonsense advice is when you're in a university or you're in a work setting, you're doing a lot of presentations, right? You're, you're, you're talking to a boardroom, you're talking about subjects at school. So why aren't you getting better as a speaker? The reason is because you're not focused on a single topic because every time you present, you ditch the presentation to restart your content. Whereas what the best speakers in the world do, even even a podcaster like me, right? The reason I'm eloquent, as you elaborated, it's not because I'm more important than other people. It's because I'm being asked the same questions hundreds of times. So eventually, I just it's just that that script just comes out of my mouth. I just know how to say it, how to modulate it. But the first time I was asked that question, that definitely wasn't the case. Hey, Brenda, where does the fear of public speaking come from? Uh, uh, I'm not... Uh, uh, I, I mean, I started in my mother's basement. Should I go ask my mom upstairs? <laughs> uh, like, I don't, I didn't know. That's the key. I got you. Now, I have kids 
And how do I train them to be better public speakers? Are there specific exercises they should be actively practicing? Because you're talking a lot about like communicating your expertise, but what about just in, in general? Are there specific exercises they can be doing? Yeah, like fun side note, I have a kids coaching program. The reason I have it, it's not really for money, is so I can better understand their psychology for my YouTube videos. And here's what I found. I'm happy to share. If there's any educators on the call, feel free to just steal this and use it in your schools. So, so the trick is simple. Okay, there's a couple of things I do as a facilitator that I think more teachers need to do. One is the biggest problem with the education system is we never let the kids pick their own topics. Mm. It's always, you, uh, well, Billy, you got to talk about the Renaissance in history. And you're just like, well, I don't want to do that. Right? So it's not fun. So what I did, my most successful client, six years old. So when I got on a call with her, <laughs> I was like, what do you want to present? She was like, Ali, I want to present my first day at school. And I just went, that sounds great to me. Let's do that. She was amazing. <laughs> She's great. She blew my mind. I was like, whoa. So that's the first thing. Second thing is make them do the same presentation for 12 weeks. The issue with the education system is they keep switching topic. It stresses kids out and they're not focused on making great presentations. They just want to get through them. Like, okay, I have English. Then I got to get a friend. Then I got to go to Spanish. Then I got to go to gym. They're not thinking about how do I make this presentation the best mm. presentation ever. That's what messes with them. So do one presentation and refine it over time. Just focus on delivering. And then the third thing is create a strong community of accountability. I never do one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore. And the reason I don't is because it's A, exhausting, but B, not effective as a mm. group. Group coaching is a lot of fun because especially if it's like small groups of like seven to eight kids or seven to eight execs, because they start competing with each other in a very healthy way. So what this means is they go, well, Billy just became a really good speaker by week two. I need to start practicing a lot more or, and they cr we create buddy systems. So there's like buddies where they practice with each other every week. So when you have that type of system around you, it's, you become unbeatable very quickly. So, so that's the recommendation I have for educators. Get a group. So in your case, I would get a group of like kiddos, family, and just to practice different drills, do one presentation every couple of weeks, and just watch that, that presentation get really good really fast. Okay. So let them choose it and then stay on the topic for a while. Don't switch so frequently. Got it. I would say forever until they're <laughs> masters at that topic. I see. Okay, that makes sense. Is there a difference between presenting an effective story in front of live people versus doing it online? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. The biggest difference is that you can't gauge your audience's reaction online. So whenever you say a joke in the real world, you can tell if it's funny, but in the <laughs> online world, you can't. So you have to assume it's funny, which is very challenging for most speakers. That's why it's so tough. So my recommendation, I got a couple. The first one is put a picture of somebody that you love or like a favorite food next to the camera lens. So if you do that, you could, you're, always, you're always forced to look at the camera, mm. which is the key. That's one. Two, get on a call with your audience, at least one member, so that you have an understanding of who they are, what they're trying to get out of your presentation. And it's much easier for you to bring out that energy for that specific person. And then the third thing is not something you can get over uh, overnight, but you you will get over time is assume good intentions from your audience. Like when I started podcasting is a very bizarre art, Giancarlo, people do a bunch of research on you. They don't really know you and you have to answer them as if you know them, right? It's, it's a very bizarre art, 
But over time, you realize that all of the hosts pretty much are really nice folks. They really just want to add value to their local community. Mm. So over time, my perception of the host, even if I didn't know them, transitioned very quickly from, who's this guy? Is he from Italy or is he from the States? I don't really know. To, wow, you know, look at Giancarlo. Look at all the effort he's putting in to help people tell better stories and be the story kings of their lives. So I'm going to assume that I've known the guy for many years. I'm going to communicate to him as if I have. But once again, not something you get over to- uh, overnight, but definitely over time. Now, as a young person yourself, do you think being so connected to technology and the internet negatively affects how we communicate in person? Personal opinion, you know, I, I think a lot of people give too much flake on social media. They go, oh, these kids these days. Right. <laughs> I really don't think that. I, I think social media has a lot of positives to it. The biggest one being it's never been easier to find your tribe. So I think the, the it, it's, think of it like a tool, right? If you don't know how to use a screwdriver, it won't serve you much good for mm-hmm. the purposes you have. But if you know how to use it properly, it works. So for example, in the way that I use social media, I use it to, to facilitate in-person connections with the right individuals. So let's say for me, it's going to a Tony Robbins seminar and staying in touch with all the people I meet at that conference. That's what social media allows us to do. So the way I think about it is it's a tool. So if you know how to use the tool, it works. And if you don't, it consumes you. Hmm. That makes sense. Last question, Brendan. Any last nuggets of wisdom for being better communicators and ultimately better storytellers? Absolutely. It's a question that I would love for all of you to reflect on. The question is, how would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? A lot of us seem to miss, Giancarlo, that public speaking is this presentation thing where you talk to 10,000 people. No, public speaking is everything. It's every interaction you have with every human being you encounter, from the dinner conversations with your family to the tough conversations with that same family to the pizza delivery guy who delivers you a fresh slice. So I encourage you all to think about communication, not just to share your important ideas to the world, but also to make the quality of your life 10 times better. That's awesome advice. Awesome advice, Brendan. I'm going to have all your links, of course, in the show notes. If people wanted to reach out to you, though, and and follow you and have no intention on reading the show notes, where can they go about doing that? Absolutely. It's it's definitely good. We got to appeal to everybody. Yeah, so the key is Master Talk on YouTube. All you got to do is go on YouTube, type Master Talk in one word, and you'll find me right there. It's been a great uh, experience learning from you. I appreciate you coming on the show, Brennan. Pleasure was absolutely mine. So that was my conversation with Brendan Kumarasamy. All his links will be in the show notes. Don't forget to sign up on storykingbooks.com to get your free copy of Kane's Confession. Remember, if you're interested in starting your own podcast, you can visit my website or amazon.com and for less than $5, purchase my latest ebook resource, Launch Your Podcast Like a Pro. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com forward slash the story king. All those links will be in the show notes. One more thing, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do me the favor of subscribing to it and leaving a positive review on iTunes, Spotify, or the medium of your choice. And share it with your friends and family on social media. I would greatly appreciate that. Thank you for listening to the Story King Podcast, the show all about fiction, film, and form. Please join us next time. Until then. 